ever wonder what your therapist is really thinking? Well, that's confidential. But in this podcast, a few of my therapist friends and me show you what it's really like inside of a mental health professional's brain. Hi, welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified counselor. We discuss books, movies, TV shows, motherhood, current events, clinical issues, mental illness, trauma, and our own personal lives. So if you want to know what we're thinking, come on in, take a listen. Come see what the world is like through the eyes of a therapist, the podcast that destigmatizes mental illness, humanizes therapists, and demystifies therapy. Hello, everyone. We're back on the podcast with some very special repeat guests, Ashley and Zamanda. Say hello. Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Zayas, and I'm a therapist in New Jersey and in New York. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda Martinez. I'm a therapist in Arlington, Texas. And you may recognize their voices from the dating episode. I can ask for updates later, but this episode is about some dating shows that we have been watching collectively and we've been keeping in touch about what's been going on. And on Netflix, you may have noticed some very juicy and dramatic shows come across your feed, such as Love is Blind and The Ultimatum by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. And so we are here today to talk about The Ultimatum through a therapist's eyes and what this might be like. So here we are. And we have so much to say about this, apparently. For me, it was first really interesting to start kind of watching it as a regular person. I was just telling Ashley and Zamanda that when I'm watching a show or a movie, and this was part of the premise of even the beginning of this podcast, is it's really hard for me to like take off my therapist lens or lenses when I'm watching something or when I'm looking at an interaction in like a waiting room or at a grocery store or something, right? And I'm just like constantly conceptualizing. But I think over time now I'm starting to like relax and just be part of the general population and like a, a normal person <laughs> and watch like a show and just absorb it and enjoy it. And I think this was pulling me in and out of that like regular person lens, therapist lens, regular person lens. But man, this was an intense experience, I think. And it's like a train wreck. Like you cannot look away, right? Like, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I was just like, there were moments where I was just like, oh my God, what are, what's happening with these people? (laughs) I felt so bad sometimes. And I felt like, wow, this is really intense. And they're making them stay there in these intense moments, which is something that we do as therapists, right? Like we kind of, we don't make people stay, right? But like, we try to hold them within that window of tolerance in an uncomfortable moment in therapy. And I felt like there were a lot of those moments with the group, especially when they were confronting them. But there's so many things to talk about. I don't know, what are your all initial thoughts about this show and maybe even the creation of it? Tell me what you're thinking. Well, for me, even just from the premise, I was thinking like, wow, like instead of having these people like, you know, have these, the dating week and then, you know, the weeks where they're staying with the other person, it would have probably been more beneficial to have couples therapy and individual therapy for all of the contestants. Because the fact that there's like one person that's like, oh, either you marry me or we're done. It's so just, it's <laughs> just not healthy. I was trying to think of another way to say it, but that's really what it is. It's just not healthy. And so what does that say about that person's goals and how this other person is kind of fitting within that? Do they only want to get married because they think that they have to because of how long they've been together or how old they are and kind of how the relationship escalator comes into play with that of like, oh, 
you know, we need to be married so then we can have kids and I don't want to have kids um, at a late age or anything like that. So I think therapy would have been really helpful to kind of help everyone see whether they were blocked to it for whatever reason and what those reasons were or what was like really pushing them to want it right now. Right. Like, so instead of just sticking them in this like social experiment situation, therapy would have probably been better, right? Like, I mean, obviously we're therapists, so we're like biased towards that solution, right? But I think absolutely couples and individual therapy to do some of that like self-discovery, couples discovery, like working out those issues with like a professional to guide them through those conversations about, okay, what is it that you really want? Why is it that you want this? What are your intentions behind this? What is behind this ultimatum? Like, what is this like rule you made up for yourself in the back of your head, right? Like, why is this such a heavy requirement for you? What's driving that, right? What do you think, Amanda? <laughs> I'm just looking at your face and you're like, like, I want to say so much. I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, I really like what both of you said. And then when you were mentioning the rules, what are these rules that are in their head that is making them think that, oh, I need to get married or else? It kind of made me think of the cognitive, like CBT rules. I don't know if you've ever heard of the self-worth tree, but basically, like, you know, we live by these set of rules in our minds of the way that we're supposed to live our lives or the way that we're supposed to be. And if things are not aligned with those rules, it creates this cognitive distortion or this um, cognitive dissonance, right? Like, no, like this does not align with what it's supposed to be. So then it creates that tension. And I saw that in a couple of people where like the one who wanted children and the other one didn't. Um, I found that interesting. Oh, April and Jake. Yes, I don't remember the names because <laughs> I did binge watch. But just like y'all, I was thinking like, no, don't do it. <laughs> just because people live by different sets of values, right? And I think like a lot of what a successful relationship is, is based on your core beliefs and your core values. And so I saw like at least two couples that had very misaligned values. And one of them was the children. Something that really stood out to me was one of them said, oh, like, I don't want children, but they do. But I don't believe that you should sacrifice anything in a relationship. I believe in compromises. And I think they ended up together. But then he ended up basically abandoning himself because he really wanted children. And the other person didn't. But he was more afraid of losing that person than to actually have his needs met or one of his big life goals met, if that makes sense. I found that interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was shocked in that moment where he proposed to her and that she said yes. Like, I didn't think she was going to say yes. Me too. Oh my God. Yes. It was the part that was so, that felt so weird about that moment was that it just seemed like coming from a place of fear versus like a place of security and like, this is what I really want. It was more like, oh my God, like these people that I thought I was going to be paired with for the three weeks now are paired with other people and I don't know what to do. Instead of it being like, you know, I really want to be with this person and I can't see myself with any of the other people here. But in the interviews, clearly he was like, oh, this person and this person. <laughs> I completely agree. It came from a place of like desperation and insecurity, I feel like, instead of a place of like, I do really love this person. And I love the way that Zamanda, you framed it like he totally abandoned himself. Like he wanted kids and was like, oh, you know what? Screw it. Like. I'm just, I don't care about that. I just want this girl. Like, I don't care. Or I want this woman, you know? And it's just like, bro, you went around. And they even, I don't know if you saw the very last episode where they did the reunion show, but they showed clips of him talking about kids and kids and kids and kids and kids mm -hmm. to kind of give him that insight, right? Like you talked about kids 800 million times, literally, right? And how you wanted them so badly, but then ended up proposing to this person who may or may not want kids <laughs> or doesn't want kids, right? And then 
in the reunion episode said, okay, we compromised on like one kid or something like that. Like very like, <laughs> unsure. Right. Yeah. It, and as a therapist, I'm just like, this is why I don't do couples therapy. Like, this is just, I can't, you know, like, I don't know. It's a mm-hmm. lot to navigate. I feel like, first of all, I don't have the qualifications, the certifications, the skill, but also I would be like in shock. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to control my face, like my affect, like in individual therapy, I can, right? Obviously I'm a trauma therapist. I feel like I've gotten really good at that over the last 10 years, but just like as I don't know what happens in my brain, maybe it's just, I just can't, like (laughs) I cannot compute. Like if stuff like that were to happen in front of me, I'd be like, bro, but did you not just see, you know, and it would like come across probably really judgmental. I think (laughs) like you just sacrificed yourself. So you're just not going to have kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. That would not be very therapist. Like when you were talking about that, it made me think of the clip. I don't know their names. I get confused the whole time. I was watching it with a friend and I was like constantly asking them like, wait, who are they originally with? Wait, which one's that? (laughs) But it made me think of the conversation that I think it was a blonde girl and I think the guy who ended up with the other girl that also got rejected somehow. Let's see. Let's look up the... Yeah, the ones that were friends and they weren't together, but he ended up marrying the original girlfriend. I think his name started with a C. Colby? Madeline and Colby? Yeah, I remember a clip of them talking to each other. And I, w- I want to say I remember her saying something like, the only thing scarier than losing you is the thought of marrying you. And to me, I'm like, your answer's right there. <laughs> like, why don't, you know, like, come on, man. Yeah, with Madeline, the entire time, I was like, wow, she really does not even like this person anymore. Everything that she had to say about him was really negative and very judgmental. And I was like, wow, like, why are they even together? Because it just seemed like she did not like him. Their ending was very surprising to me because it was like all of a sudden then she really loves him. But the entire time in the interviews, it was like she just had really negative things to say about him. I agree. I almost wonder if they like edited it that way so that it would be like a shock factor. Like, I fooled you. You thought they were going to break up, suckers, right? Like. I thought maybe for like viewership and like sensationalism kind of thing. But I agree. That was super shocking because she was like, I just can't. And the fact that, I mean, I agree with her in some of her arguments over time with her friends, right? Like Madeline had found pictures and videos of him like going out and like whatever with other women. And his argument for that was, well, I wanted to make this experience real for you. Um, no, sir. (laughs) You know, like, I think in therapy, like as a therapist, I feel like something important to understand is, I think because part of my roots in study were like choice theory and things like that you are ultimately responsible for your own actions. Like nobody can make you do anything. Nobody can make you mad. Nobody can make you go and act out. You are an individual responsible for your own actions. Does that make sense? So I just feel like, what is that? You know, like, why would you say like, I went out and did this because of you. I wanted to make this real for you. I'm like, sir, sir. You did that on your own volition, you know, like. Like just accept responsibility for it. Right. It would be so much easier. Like he would have just avoided that whole whatever the hell that was and just been like, that was my fault. My bad. I won't do that again. The end. The end. I think she would have been satisfied. The friends would have been like, cool. Like he accepted responsibility. It was that's, you know, the noble thing to do or whatever. But like, no, (laughs) even on the spoiler alert reunion episode she's like sitting there pregnant right i still wanted to make it real for her and then (laughs) the rest of the cast is like bro (laughs) kind of manipulative no oh yeah yeah totally that's what i got from him for sure like Mm -hmm. very manipulative 
he's one of the only like men who gave the ultimatum, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. You know, it's funny. I actually liked him at first. And then as I saw more things, it completely changed my opinion of him. Yeah, because I think this is a part of his manipulation, right? He puts on this like very innocent and good boy type of act. And then you start seeing how that falls away with time and with the different decisions that he makes and the different things that he says. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I got fooled, too, because I really liked him. And the friend that I was watching it with was like, uh-uh, I do not like him. What? He's awesome. Like, he's so nice. He's so cute. And they're like, nope, something about him. I just don't like. And then, of course, towards the end, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, He really fooled me. But that's when, you know, we talk about, like, in therapy, too. Behavior and patterns don't lie. Right. When we're getting to know a person... Of course, they're going to, especially when you're dating, right? I think a lot of people are going to put their best foot forward. They're going to be charming, especially. And if they're a manipulative person, they're going to put on this good boy, good girl, good person persona. And then over time, you get to see the behavior and the patterns. And I think that's where people kind of get stuck in relationships because they remember oh when we first started dating like this is how they were and like this doesn't match and it just doesn't make sense to them yeah that's true I agree I totally fell for the whole like good boy thing like I was like oh and he's cute and like oh you know the thing that kind of weirded me out was the interaction between Colby and esta pepa metiche (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what's her name this one alexis right where she was like i met in like at the end i was like oh my god girl no like yeah like my own business right but that's probably her own like why is she trying to get into her business but whatever like deflecting i think totally right but anyways that interaction was interesting because he rejected her and then she was like oh no i hate him like, just because he rejected you, like, is that, that's interesting, which I feel is like a defense mechanism, right? Like when somebody rejects you or somebody doesn't want you or says no to you, sets a boundary, oh, they're evil, oh, they're bad, you demonize them just so that you can have a reason to be like, okay, let me create that emotional distance between me and that person. I never liked them anyway. But that's interesting that... She then turned it into like, oh, it was my intuition to let you know that he was bad. It was like, no, girl, he just like rejected you and you didn't like it. So you wanted to create that emotional distance yourself. So there's that. But this girl, I don't know if we can just kind of like jump to this couple. This was interesting. I mean, I kind of appreciate the fact that she was upfront about like the money thing, right? Because that's refreshing honesty. I feel like some people are not upfront about that and they kind of have this like Slytherin sort of way to get around and be like, oh, well, I'm not about the money. But like, clearly they are. But she's like, no, I want to like maintain this lifestyle and I really need this like level of income. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think that that was refreshing. I don't know if that's necessarily like a, reason to get married but if you think about the institution of marriage and how patriarchal and capitalistic it is it's a contract and it is financial right and it's kind of a racket and a game and so might as well make it work for you it's not really all about love right like if you sit and think about getting married and like entering this legal contract with someone it is like a financially, legally binding thing. And so maybe she's onto something. I don't know. That's my thought. And so, but otherwise, she's a little annoying to me. <laughs> Very. And this is my normal person talking, right? Not my therapist person. My therapist person is like, she'd be deflecting. She'd be like other things going on with her. But what do you all think? My regular person is saying she's so annoying. She's my least favorite <laughs> of all of them. Yeah, I agree. And then I want to say, like, my therapist brain was thinking, like, even though she's annoying, like, she has, well, 
from what I think. You guys can tell me what y'all think. Self-worth, I think, is non-existent. Because if you think about it, like when Colby said, I'm just, I'm not attracted to you. That's an honest statement. And people can be attractive. You can find people attractive and not be attracted to them. It doesn't mean that they're ugly or attractive or not attractive. It just means that individual is not attracted to you. And then she completely changed that in her mind to say, oh, he said I wasn't attractive. Like, no, that's not what he said. He just said he's not attracted to you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And like that just that was a big shock and a big hit to her ego. And I'm wondering, I do think that this honesty, this financial value that she has about her lifestyle, even though being upfront about it is refreshing. I do wonder if it's a part of her maintaining a level of self-worth status. Like, oh, like if I don't have this financial status, that kind of confirms the lower self-worth that I have. Because without that, I'm not the person that I want to be. I was thinking that the money was that she was kind of using it to push people away and kind of putting herself above them, which ties into the self-worth. That's right. Yeah, because seeing her dates at the end, I was like, I don't have a clue as to who is going to like want to, you know, spend the three weeks with her because she was kind of like abrasive towards everyone and honestly just not very likable. (laughs) That's like my regular person talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it just felt like she was just trying to push you know, the different people away. And then how she twisted what Colby said. It's like, you can kind of see that in her other interactions as well. So I guess I was kind of glad when her guy, you know, ended up proposing to her because I was like, yeah, because I think she would have been alone. (laughs) That's an interesting take on it. Because I think most people are put off, right? By that conversation, like, oh, do you make this much money? No? Okay, cool. I'm wondering if it's not necessarily that. It's just the way she was coming about it. Like very aggressive and abrasive, like you said, Ashley. And also it kind of, as you were speaking, Ashley, it made me think like, yes, almost like that. I'm going to be this abrasive and bring up this to scare people, like you said. Because if I can be this abrasive person, that's what's going to drive people away and actually not, I don't know how to say this, but almost like pushing people away before they can reject me type of thought, right? And then when Kobe said, oh, I just, I'm not attracted to you. That was just a big like hit. That's exactly what I'm afraid of, like that fear of rejection. But yeah, she was like the instigator the whole time. Yes. You know, she had the the outings with the other women. And then even in the reunion episode, she was just like really trying to push everyone's buttons. And I'm not quite sure what that does for her like does she get a sense of satisfaction from that like does that help her to feel worthy and like she is somehow above these people that was something that I found interesting about her yeah I think like bottom line it has to do with her self-worth and I think it's like deflecting too because then it takes the attention away from her who's asking her important questions We didn't find out about their relationship at all. They just proposed and it was like the end. But wait, hold on. (laughs) Like, I have questions, you know, like there's important stuff that we need to talk about here. And they didn't go through the whole process like everybody else did the process, right? Which was like totally experimental, not scholarly and evidence based, (laughs) right? (laughs) To prove that this is something that improves insight, self-discovery cohesiveness in relationships or whatever it is but there were just I think a lot of things in that process for that couple that were like either unanswered or unsaid and it's just kind of like she was not answering those or talking about those things she was like poking at other people's business and I think at the end Vanessa Lachey was kind of like well why do you want to know about that like a little bit passive aggressive right but like kind of showing that she's picking up on the fact that she's an instigator Right? hmm Yeah. And so I'm glad that she kind of picked up on it, but it was just like... Like, Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Yahweh, did you mean that whole way? <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyways, let's move on to this couple, Randall and Shanique. I thought that this was interesting. I think they painted Randall to be like a little bit more like emotionally mature and like more emotionally intelligent. And I can see why Madeline would want to gravitate toward him, right? Because he seemed to be like reflecting and understanding and show like a lot of positive communication skills and like things like that. But Shanique was just very, I feel like, I don't know, like closed off when it was time to discuss heavier things or I don't know. I feel like this couple could have benefited from like couples therapy. I'm not a couples therapist, but I think that maybe not so much individual therapy, but I think a good couples, like maybe Gottman therapist (laughs) would like, would have been good for this couple. And I think they still can. I think they showed them in the reunion, like together, not together, and then together again or something. And I think they could have worked it out or something. I don't know. What do you think? I think that it would have been possible, but you could see in the fight that they had where they were like outside, it kind of looked like they were like at a ramp of a parking garage or something. Where he was like, you want me to go to the corner or something like that? (laughs) Yeah. Like you could see how Shanique was kind of twisting some of the things that he was saying. And that was, you know, fueling her anger and the pain that she was in and then which led to her reaction towards him. So I think a couple therapists could help kind of help them cut through what's actually happening instead of right. Cause right now they're both just, everything is getting filtered through their own lens, which is that's how everything gets twisted around because our brains make sense of things through our previous experiences. So everything was like getting filtered through this like weird lens. And as an outsider, you can see like, oh, that's not what he said at all or vice versa, but it gets all twisted. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Do y'all feel like that was more of a secure attachment style? What he presented? No, no, I think he was kind of on the spectrum. I would say that he was a little bit on maybe the avoidant side. I think he kind of uses the his intellectualization of things as a way to avoid the feelings. Oh, okay. And then she gets really emotional. And then I think that's her way of also avoiding what's truly going on. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that's good that you say that because I honestly don't remember a lot about them. I just know that in the beginning, his reasons for not wanting to get married yet was financially, like he wanted to pay off some debt and things like that. So I'm wondering if that's like, you know, like a core value or a value that he possesses is like wanting to be financially stable. And that's the true reason. Or is that his excuse? Or, you know, like, I guess that's what he's using to say no, because he's not sure. He kind of spoke on that at the reunion was that, like, he was kind of using it as an excuse. But that somehow this experience led him to come to the realization that he didn't need to use that as an excuse. (laughs) I was thinking the thing that caught my attention about this couple as well was like the proposal. And again, I don't know if it was the editing of it, but like I was hanging on his every word, right? I was like, oh shit, he's proposing. And then he was like, you know, like whatever building up to it, but it sounded like, cause he was standing At first, he didn't kneel or anything. And he was like, you know, and it sounded like a breakup speech at first. Like the whole thing sounded like a breakup speech. I don't know if you heard it. And I was like, he's going to break up with her. And then like, you know, I love you. And like, we've shared a lot of things. And like, no matter what happens, blah, 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 you know. And I'm like, ah, no man, she's going to wait. (laughs) Like, he's going to like break up with her, you know, and like. She's like all excited and then they're both crying and I'm like, oh no, they're going to break up. And then he gets on one knee and I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. Like it's twisted into like this like proposal. And I'm like, wait a second. That was a breakup speech pre-proposal. Like, honestly, I swear, like if you go back and listen, it's 
literally breakup speech and then, oh, but I want to marry you. I'm like, hold on. And if you go back and listen, you know, the audience, not Ashley in the background, <laughs> but like, <laughs> the audience, if you watch this show, you'll pick up patterns, I think, of people really justifying like their actions, right? So like if they're sticking to their guns about something, they're going to like justify the hell out of like sticking to their guns for something. And it's like, bro, that doesn't even make no logical sense at all, right? Like the guy, what is the name of this couple here? Let me go back up. Um, Lauren and Nate, the one with who really wanted babies and then Lauren who didn't want any babies, right? Where he at the end, like aferrado, like proposed to her, was like, I'm going to stay with her. And it was, everybody's like, this is a bad idea. This is really awkward. This is a really tense thing. Like, don't do it. Run away, right? Kind of thing. And you can almost even see how, like you said earlier, that dissonance, right? Like just happening in front of you. You can probably sense it in the room. Imagine being in that room. Like, oh my goodness, I would need to take a nap afterwards. And then both of them really justifying, like in the reunion show even, right? Like, no, this is why I want to be with that person. None of it is based in logic. None of it is based in previous patterns of behavior. None of it is like, I don't understand. And I think it's like, I don't know if it's ego state stuff, right? Like, I just want to maintain this appearance of something and not not appear as like, incompetent or foolish or whatever but I think most of the couples fall into that kind of like trap Mm -hmm. that pattern you know so there is that and I'm just like oh my goodness I do remember when they were in the hotel room after they got engaged they had a conversation about and it was it was still the same conversation even after they agreed to marry each other they were in the hotel room and they were still bringing up the topic of children. Well, I still don't want children. Well, I do. Like, that's the only thing is the, the children conversation. And then I know she said something along the lines of, I don't want you to do this if you still want children, because I want you to have that something along those lines. And I want to say she brought up wanting to go to couples counseling. Do y'all remember? Mm-hmm. What do y'all think? Yeah, they did. in the reunion, you can see that they started going to therapy. Pero eso que va a ser? What is that going to do? We can't wave a magic wand and be like, oh, all of a sudden your discrepancies will come into one. Right. Then, okay, so when she was like going on the dates with Colby, it was like he wanted to fix this issue of her not wanting kids. He somehow thought that he would be able to <laughs> like change her in that way. And I wonder if that's, you know, what he does with Madeline, right? Tries to change her into these different things. And maybe that was a part of what we were saying in the beginning of her, like not really digging him because he's like always trying to change her. And, and then that's where the blame gets put on her for everything and stuff like that. That's a good observation. I didn't think about that. And then Crystal, what you said too, like, ¿Y eso qué va a ser? like going to therapy, like, oh, like, Magicamente, oh, ya no quiero niños. Yeah. You know, like, obviously something he wants. Yeah, like the therapist is suddenly going to say something or do something to help them come to this compromise where, okay, both of you are okay with this ultimate sacrifice of your values. No. (laughs) You know, actually statistics show that going to couples therapy leads to more breakups than togetherness, right? So Because they bring a lot of those things to the surface. Right. Exactly. The underlying- yes, the underlying cracks and ruptures and discrepancies and values and sex drives and whatever it is, right? Wants yes. and needs. So it leads to breakups. And I think they are thinking, oh, well, maybe we can work through this. Well, yeah, you'll work through it, but the answer or the outcome might not be like you being together. Right. Exactly. And then it's about having an amicable breakup instead of having, you know, like a drama filled breakup. <laughs> Exactly. I think we need to talk about April and Jake. April is interesting. She comes across as very like assertive, knows what she wants. And at first it almost looks like, oh, like that's the female ideal, right? Like that's how 
you know, women should be. Like they identify as like really strong and like independent and all of that. But I don't know. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if I buy it, one. And then two, like that's like really overbearing, like of Jake where, and then he also mentions that, right? Like where he's just like, I can't like get a word in, you know? And then Jake's relationship with the person that he chose, I think her name was. So Ray. with April, um, cause she has like her whole, the whole rest of her life like planned out. And I think that is a way for her to manage her own anxiety about the future, right? So if she can mm-hmm. just get Jake to buy into what she wants, then she her anxiety is relieved. And I think there's no a part of her analysis and plan doesn't really take into account what he wants or like the true longevity of the relationship. It's just like, well, I'm with this guy and so we have to get married and we have to do this and we have to do this because I'm so anxious about the future that if I can plan it out and build security that way, then I don't have to worry about it as much, which is not really true because the whole time she's still thinking about the future and if she can force right now to get to where she wants it to be. Right. And I think it kind of brings that that thought also, like when people can't self-regulate, they tend to want to manipulate in order to regulate their environment so that they can like you said, decrease that anxiety or whatever it is that they're feeling because the lack of self-regulation is is there. Right. Like control is important for people who have anxiety, right? Because of the uncertainty, the discomfort that comes with uncertainty. And with Jake, his stage of life, like he was in the military and he recently got out. And to me, it just seemed like, you know, you should be single for a while and really figure out what you want for yourself and for your life because when you're in the military like everything is like decided for you like there's not much that you're like making choices about and then he gets out and he's in this relationship with this person that also doesn't really allow him to have decision making power right like she's very controlling and so he still doesn't have the freedom or the ability to make choices for himself So I was like, he just needs to be alone (laughs) and really, you know, get to know himself again. Yeah, because also that's developmentally appropriate at that age, right? He needs to do a lot of self-discovery, solidify and crystallize. (laughs) That's a fun graduate school word. His identity as an individual, as a person. I agree with you, Ashley, for sure. Me too. I didn't even think about that. And when you said it, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) mind blown yeah yeah and something that I thought about all of these people I was like you guys are so young like why are you trying to like hurry into a marriage and like excuse me like force this thing to happen right now like just you know let yourself go through life and experience it and stay in the present versus like trying to make this thing happen yeah let yourself bloom. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the elders in my community told me once that he was referring to men, but I think this goes for anyone in like their teens and 20s. But he said, you know, men are like cookie dough. The longer that they're in the oven, the better they're going to taste. <laughs> Until they're ready to like come out of the oven. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, don't try to rush into like a relationship or like eat raw cookie dough. You could get really sick kind of thing. The last thing I want to talk about real quick is like Ray and Zay. So Zay is the dude. And so Zay, I think, clearly had, I think was triggered a lot. I think this is a really good example of what happens when you have unresolved trauma and like unresolved triggers. And when you see people walking out of arguments that get really intense, understanding and giving them that space. But then that person does have a responsibility to go and like try and get help for that. Right. So that they don't have to be walking out of arguments. They can like finish those and have productive conversations. So if you're finding yourself doing that, maybe seeing a trauma therapist 
I don't know. That's what I thought when I, I was like, man, this guy is getting like his amygdala is activated like all the time. Like he can't <laughs> even reason because he's so triggered by whatever it is that's coming up for him. Right. And I think when he was having the conversation with Shanique about the childhood trauma, he got even more triggered because she confronted him about the childhood trauma. <laughs> I think you just have to be careful with those conversations, right? And like, anyway, that's what came across my mind when I saw this person. Yeah, I definitely saw him as someone that is like in so much pain and not addressing it. And like, he was one that I'm like, a thousand percent needs individual therapy to, you know, start working through his own stuff. But also Shanique, I didn't feel that she was like very empathetic towards him. Like she was very judgmental of him. And I think that that could have like even furthered the triggers, you know, from his point of view. Right. And when he was opening up like her response, I think just like left him out in the open, you know, and he probably felt very vulnerable. Yeah, I agree. A little insensitive. Yeah. A lot insensitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can really make someone just kind of shut down and not want to, not want to even open up. Really important to just kind of like get a feel of how people are going to receive that. And yeah, it seems like that empathy wasn't there. Something that I remember about their interaction is like the whole time he was like wanting more from her and like he was wanting her to, you know, become more open and vulnerable with him. And she was like very closed off to that. And I'm wondering if that mimicked relationship with a parent where he was like seeking more information from the parent and that parent was shut off. Yeah, it gives me the sense of like early childhood trauma, right? Like not later trauma. It's something that developed early for sure. Like I just imagine, you know, like a tiny little kid, like confused and not knowing what's going on and not getting the information or reassurance from a parent. He wasn't getting his basic needs met. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think that even, like, in the way that he was speaking and stuff like that, I was trying to pick up on, I don't know, it was just my therapist brain, I think, turned on when he would start talking. Like, you could kind of hear him, like, stuttering or, like, showing signs of getting triggered, right? Like, his speech patterns would change, his voice, his intonation, the way that he would even pronounce words would change. It would kind of, like, regress a little bit. It was interesting. But anyways, we're not here to diagnose him, but hopefully he gets the help that he needs. Yeah. And that was an interesting interaction. But this show was pretty intense. Yes. And I was like, dang, like who would subject themselves to that? Honestly, while I was watching it, I was like, oh, if this were just like a polyamorous queer show, there wouldn't be an ultimatum and everybody could just date everybody. Cool. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? That's true. But imagine, like, I feel like also it would be a little hard to keep track. <laughs> like, we're already having a hard time, right? Like, uh, but that would be interesting. And that's something I think that we had discussed in the chat, right? Like, when we were chatting about it, like, where are the queer versions of these shows? Like, that's not fair. It's rare. I haven't seen any. If Nick and Vanessa Lachey are going to listen to this, I die. <laughs> You never know. It might hit their ears. Like, they need to introduce that because representation matters. <laughs> but also, like, I would have wanted to be under the same premise, though, because the thing about, like, oh, marry me or we're through, like, it's so damaging. First of all, if you're the person that wants to get married, like, why are you trying to convince this person to marry you, right? If they don't want to marry you, just let that be and let the relationship go then, right? Yeah. But then you're like using this to try to force them into it. And then it's like you're already starting off on a really bad foot for your marriage. Another thing that I was thinking earlier, too, is like for people that are monogamous, marriage feels like security. Yeah. It's like if I marry this person, then they can never leave me, which is obviously not true. We all know that divorce happens. And pretty often, like, what is it, like 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? 
I think it's higher now. You know, it doesn't offer you any security, but people buy into this idea that somehow it does because now you have a legal contract saying that you're together. Right. How would that feel for a person, though, knowing, oh, they're only with me because of this legal contract or because I forced them into it? Oh, because I gave them an ultimatum. I wouldn't want that. Right. You know, like choose one who wants to choose you every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I mean, of course, it would be painful. But I think that's where like your self-worth and maybe some secure attachment would say like, OK, well, this is painful. I love this person, but they obviously don't want to be with me and they have the right to date someone else as another human being. Like we all have that right. Or like maybe it's not even that the person doesn't want to be together, but maybe they're not ready for marriage or they have a different idea of how relationships, you know, should kind of function. This is kind of like where you get into like what each person values and how they view relationships and what is important to them. Sometimes those things just don't match up. And that doesn't mean that the person doesn't love you. But if these are deal breakers, it's like taking it back to like Nate and Lauren, that's a deal breaker. Like you have to either have kids or not have kids. Yes. So if that's something that you differ on, there's no way to really get through that without one of the people like really um like you said Amanda like abandoning themselves because it's against whatever it is that they wanted for themselves absolutely yeah I think these are all the nuances too that the show fails to to uncover right yeah and this is why we're covering it on through the eyes of the therapist (laughs) (laughs) podcast and Nick and Vanessa should have us talk about it on Netflix. <laughs> Our schedules are available and open for summer. And we can talk about pay later. But people would totally watch it. And it was in Austin. Right? It's close by. Well, they would have to just fly Ashley out a little bit further. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> they can do that. They can do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they can. And then... I look forward to holding a silver cup. You know, those like metallic cups or whatever that they use for continuity. Yeah, well, they had them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even at the restaurants, I was like, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Why? Supposedly it was so like to make it easier to edit because of the amounts of drinks. They don't have to be like, it's like for continuity of editing. Interesting. They can't show drinks. Like if somebody has, let's say at the beginning of a shot, like a full glass, and then they go back and say something and then they want to edit it, but they have like half a glass and they're going to be showing like two different amounts of drink. That makes sense. And then people are going to be like, what? Well, that's two different moments. So they want to like manipulate the audience. I just thought it was ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, what are those? the hell (laughs) (laughs) if you grew up catholic right like those are the little cups from the church (laughs) from the priest that's true (laughs) that's hilarious oh my god that's hilarious is that blasphemy i'm just kidding i don't know i'm not a i don't practice very much anymore so i don't know um Anyway, that's hilarious. I love it. So I think this should be the end of the episode. Any other final thoughts about... I was just wondering if y'all had a favorite or um, I don't know. Like a couple that we were rooting for? Yes, or just an individual. Either one. I mean, no. <laughs> like, not really. I found the whole thing a little Cringy. annoying. Yeah, cringy, like a little, oh man, this is like intense. And like, yeah, I agree with Ashley. Like, if you have to give somebody an ultimatum, like, no, like, don't, no, this is not healthy. I don't know if it's cultural or if it's like a a value of mine as like a a woman or something. Like, I don't know. Don't do that. No, that's not necessary. We're also therapists and like, I think our like worldview I mean it's about health right and is that healthy are these behaviors healthy is that concept of 
marry me or I'm leaving you. Is that healthy? No, it isn't. So it's like power and control and like, that's not good. Like, I'm going to hold you captive. Like, no. So no, I don't really think I'm favorite. <laughs> I mean, I, I am rooting for Zay to go get therapy. Yes. <laughs> I'm rooting for all of them to get therapy. But I think that Jake and Ray had the best looking connection it's hard to judge look obviously because you know they're only together they only knew each other for a month in this thing and that's like honeymoon phase like to the next level because <laughs> it's so new but jake needs to be single but maybe after he kind of goes through that process and ray works on herself that could potentially be a, a good relationship and you sonata did you have a favorite I- don't but i was fooled like i said i did like i forgot his name but i referred to him as the guy that looks like charlie puth to me he looks like charlie puth with the cowboy yeah (laughs) and i'm from fort worth and to me i was like wait is he from texas and then i was thinking like wait he looks like he could be from fort worth because people from fort worth dress like that were in when they're in downtown and stuff but i liked him at first to be honest with you at first, he gave the illusion of secure attachment and someone who's very sure of himself and secure. And then once there was that rejection, it's interesting that that just totally flipped. And you got to see like a different side. And it's just interesting how human behavior works because I found him very handsome and very attractive. And then once I saw that flip, I was like, ugh. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So I don't really have a favorite, but I, I was at first like, oh, I like him. Yeah. This is an aside, but anytime I watch these shows, I also imagine how they're going to age. (laughs) Yeah, like I imagine them as old men. (laughs) I don't know why. So I'm thinking Colby is going to look like Santa Claus, like when he's old. Like, you think? Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to be married to Santa? (laughs) No, bro. Is this how you chose your husband? You were like, oh, when he's an old man, he's going to still look really good. Yeah, like he'll still have his like soft eyes and like I'll be able to like deal with that, you know? (laughs) I'm serious, dude. Yeah, beauty fades, right? But like, let's not go wild with that. Anyways, thank you so much (laughs) for coming back onto the podcast. This was hilarious and fun. Maybe we can watch another love show or something or whatever all whatever you all want. It doesn't have to be love stuff. We can talk about it together again. <laughs> but thank you for coming onto the podcast. This was great. And thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And please connect with me, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, on Instagram at Through the Eyes of a Therapist Pod. More information about booking me for therapy or training can be found there. Until next time, keep on fighting the stigma and go to therapy. I'll see you next time. <laughs>